Have you ever noticed that regardless of your age, you still hate losing? <laughs> it doesn't matter if you're running a triathlon or playing tic-tac-toe, let's face it, as men, we are competitive by nature. And God made us that way, with a fighting spirit. But let me ask you this, do you fight for your marriage as hard as you fight for first place? Do you fight for time for your children as much as you fight for meeting a deadline at work? Do you fight for causes in your community as much as you fight for a championship in a team sport? Yes, God made and equipped us to face challenges, overcome obstacles, and fight opposition. The question is, are we fighting for what matters most? Specifically speaking, what matters most to God? My guest today has taken the competitive and fighting nature of man and turned it into a tool we can use to expand God's kingdom. You don't want to miss this episode because it could potentially change your life as a husband, father, leader, and as a man. Stay tuned. Real Men Connect is next. Welcome to Real Men Connect. Are you ready to be the extraordinary man, husband, father, and leader God called and created you to be? Then get ready to receive wisdom and guidance from some of the country's most respected men of faith as you learn everything you need to know to go from good man to great man God's way. No judgment, no shame. Just real men with real challenges seeking real change. All for God's glory. Hello, mighty men of God, and welcome to the Real Men Connect podcast, where we help good men become great men God's way. I'm your host, Dr. Joe Martin, and every week we interview some of the nation's most respected and accomplished men of faith to find out what it really takes to become the kind of husband, father, and spiritual leader God called and created us to be. Each interview session is packed with practical, proven biblical principles you can immediately apply in your relationships, on your job, and in your community. Today we have with us Jim Brown. Jim Brown is the founder and creator of Fight Club. As the senior pastor of Grace Community Church in Goshen, Indiana for the past 20 years, Jim started Fight Club back in 2011. Fight Club is a men's discipleship and leadership development program specifically designed for the local church. Fight Club employs the core ingredients of camaraderie, competition, and challenge to awaken Christian men from mediocrity, strengthen them emotionally, intellectually, physically, and spiritually in order to resurrect true masculine community and mobilize them for maximum impact in their families, churches, and communities. Jim has been married for 28 years, and he's the proud father of three children, two boys and one girl. And I've brought Jim on the show today to discuss the four critical areas of growth for men. And I'm so excited to have him on the show today. So with that being said, how you doing, Jim? And thank you for being on the show, man. Joe, it's great to be here today. I'm excited. Obviously, it's a passion of mine to reach men. And so to have this opportunity to, to talk to um, brothers out there, even sisters out there, um, I'm, I, can, I can hardly wait. Like I'm sitting on the edge of my seat. And, and Jim, I'll give a, even a shameless plug for the broadcast. You know, we're into um, our second uh, week of um, episodes and the response that we've gotten has been so tremendous. We've risen up charts and iTunes. And so I know that your message today, because we're going to talk about the four areas of growth that every man. And I know this is going to bless a lot of men, not only today and for the broadcast that comes out when your show um, airs live, but also I know for even months and years to come because it will be in the archives. So I'm excited to, to dig into your story to find out more about you. But before we get started, Jim, I always ask men to share with us their favorite Bible verse and why. So if you don't mind, tell us what your favorite Bible verse is. Pretty simple for me. When I think of Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I understand the context there. But to know that I can do, if Christ has called me to it and he'll take me through it, I can do way more with him than I can ever do by myself. So, you know, the living God lives inside of me. I tell my people all the time, my guys all the time, holy cow, there should be a distinct difference in the way we live than as someone who doesn't know Christ. So I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen to that. I think I posted something on Facebook about if your faith doesn't get others to elevate there, something is wrong with your faith. <laughs> so that's because, so true man <laughs> so but um i love that you know that's one of my favorite verses as well now before we we dive into um the fight club you have to tell us a story behind this because i know some of the people listening out there now thinking the guys are thinking fight club isn't that a movie <laughs> you know and, and <laughs> is that dangerous and so we're going to be fighting people now we know that is a, a different concept which you guys have come up together with for fight club but tell me the story about what led you to fight club because your background is you're a pastor of a church what leads a pastor to fight club well i can back it up i can say that i've always had a heart and a passion to see men come alive. You know, I was raised in the church, come from a single parent family. My mom 
remarried and had a man step into my life, my stepfather who came to know Christ and my father came to know Christ. I saw what redemption could do in a family. So I've always had a, a passion to see men come alive and, and to know that I have a father that will never leave me nor forsake me. And men are looking and you know, boys are looking for fathers who never leave them or forsake them. So I've always had a passion to reach men. It, like it, Joe, I believe God birthed it in my heart very early because I would sit in churches and see these complacent men. It would drive me nuts. Um, you know, they're sitting on the edges, almost as if the church had domesticated them and, you know, and cut them off at their mm-hmm. knees. So I began early on discipling men, spending time with men, hanging out. I'm, I'm a sports enthusiast, and I, all of a sudden I, I'd see a different man during the week, giving his all in the basketball game, ready to fight and take a guy <laughs> out. Um, and then I see him sit in church. It's like, where's that passion? You know, mm-hmm. it, it, got, it got cut off. So when I became a pastor, I've been in the same church 20 years, I, I started going after men and realized they like competition, they like camaraderie, and they, they, they like brotherhood and all those things that I got from team sports. We wear the same jerseys, like we're on the same team. And guys love that stuff. You know, we don't care if we're wearing the same shirt. You got the same shirt on. We're giving each other high five. Ladies are like, oh, no, you got the same outfit on. Right. Dudes, <laughs> d- dudes are attracted to that, you know. So we intentionally started going after men. And early in this journey, I uh, was impacted by John Eldridge's Wild at Heart writing yeah. and connected like, like, like he's speaking to my heart. So we began this journey. And so even as a pastor, specifically taking our men on journeys, um, and then putting them out in woods and, and, and developing uh, skills. Probably about five years ago, our, our staff here, I decided, hey, let's do a Tough mutter together. And so we got up early, grabbed six guys, seven guys on staff here. And I said, we got up early and we trained. You know, we're running through creeks and we're doing push-ups and setups, And we're doing all the things dudes like to do. And, and we got through this race, you know, went through this Tough mutter. We got to the end and we celebrate. I remember I, I thought I had hypothermia. I thought I was going to die because <laughs> it was so cold. But we got to the end of this and realized, man, we just hit on something that we, we went on this journey together. We experienced it together. We fought for each other together and we crossed the finish line together and we were better because of it. Right. And I came home from that back to my office and, and uh, realized that, man, there was something that connected deeply to our soul. And from that, came this desire to, how can we do that together, that be on the same journey for a certain period of time, calling each other out, you know, pulling the best out of each other, giving us something to fight for. And from that came this concept of, of what we call Fight Club. We develop a creed, much similar to the Navy SEAL creed, that men must sign. And all of a sudden, uh, we, we tapped into something that hadn't been tapped into before. And it made our men come alive, be quite frank. Wow. As far as when you you saw the camaraderie that you had, like you said, I've seen men on the basketball court and yeah, they're oh, ready yeah. to fight, man. But I, I wonder, how do you make the bridge though from seeing that to saying, how did you come up with the concept? Because your program is very comprehensive. Yes, and it is. I've been through it and I've looked at it and everything. I'm thinking, wow, this took a lot of thought. So I, I'm assuming that it didn't start there. How did it begin? What was the first steps you took in developing Fight Club? Well, one of the first steps we developed was uh, to pull men out of, here's, here's the typical, to be quite frank, uh, majority of churches in America, men's ministry is, hey, let's meet on Saturday morning once a month, and let's study a book, and let's come back next month, and let's have coffee together, let's don't talk about that we struggle with pornography, that, that, that we have these deep-rooted sins, let's, let's, let's hug each other and say, hey, see you next week, <laughs> right. um, and I, Sick and tired of that. Like I don't, I don't want any parts of that. That's not discipleship. That's that's playing the game. In fact, there's no accountability there, none whatsoever. Joe, I say, men, men think they have accountability, but they have compatibility. They have another mm-hmm. brother that will suffer in their sins with them um, instead of calling them out. So we began some training that put men together, where they had to ask each other ten hard questions. And the last question that accountability was, "Are you telling me the truth?" Yeah. So. We started some retreats, pulling them in away. We took road trips. We took men to Western Maryland. We would canoe down the Potomac River. Um, we would do man games, tug of war. We were tending it outside. I had one man tell me one time, he says, man, I haven't given this much since junior high wrestling. <laughs> um, so creating games and events and outings, more than just hearing someone speak and then having these breakout sessions at our gatherings where 
men are being transparent, asking the hard question, and, and they found a safe place to share their deepest struggles. So we created those environments, Joe, uh, all along the way. And we found, wow, men, we, we had men come out in droves. And uh, so, and then that was kind of the, the core, or I would say the foundation, transparency, vulnerability, some competition and some challenge in our men events. And so we realized, why not create something that does that uh, training course of 10 weeks, um, have a boot camp of sorts where men can see where they're at and then, you know, this is who I want to be. And so that's kind of the, the brainchild be, behind it. We've always went after men shamelessly. Mm-hmm. Our church and our community is called the man church. We even, if you walk in here, be quite frank, the decor, we don't have pretty flowers on our walls. Um, we have steel and rustic. And when men walk in, they feel like it's a place that, that they can hang out. We've had, we have dad fest. For our father's days, we go a lot, go all out. Past year, we gave away a motorcycle. We went on a motorcycle ride in the morning for an hour before the service. Um, we, we brought in a band. Guys are playing uh, their drums and stuff in the back of trucks. We, we, we make it in such a place where a man would want to be part of. And I think it begins even with your decor, even in your church. So those are some of the things that got us to where we're at today. And Jim, I know you're not just speaking to the men out there who are listening, but I know there are a lot of men out there who are leaders of ministries or pastors out there who are listening to this because we talked prior to coming on the air. And I think you mentioned that your church, you said, how, what's the number of men that you have in your church? We have uh, 1,300 men that come to Grace. 1,300 and, uh, men. Yeah. And it's, you know, our church is, quite frank, in our community, it's known as the man church. And, and, and here's the thing. It's it's a good thing. Like in fact, let me let me. I've been on some mission trips, and I've asked single gals, twenty year old gals, or thirty year old gals. I said, "What's it like to come to Grace Community Church? What's it like for you to come here, knowing that there's a lot of men here?" And I've heard girls say, on, uh, "Single gals say on numerous occasions, I feel safe. I feel safe mm-hmm. there because you have men that you know that that are hungry, chasing after Jesus, but they're they're also ready to protect. They're ready to care. They're ready to jump in." And so, you know, I said earlier to you off the air that even our children's ministry, uh, we have we have 400 volunteers. 200 wow. of them are men. And, so you tell me uh, half your volunteers in your children's ministry are men. They are. And, you know, we have single parents that come, single gals. And do you and, now, Jim, you know, that's unheard of, man. That's, I, that's crazy. I know it is. <laughs> huh. and it, it is. And, you know, I, 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 I can remember. Uh, being on sabbatical about six years ago, and I went out and visited other churches, and you know, I was excited going with my wife and family, a season of refreshment. And I remember going to a church, and it was uh, it was recognition Sunday for the children's volunteers. And as I sat in there, uh, they brought up, they paraded up, and man, we we celebrated. It was forty five volunteers in this children's ministry. There were forty four ladies and one man, and it broke my heart. Wow! Like like because. You know, the wife, God has given them such a unique, a woman is such a unique ability to show how to nurture and care. Yet, where was the man there that could show him how to, to love and lead and protect and pour masculinity into those young boys that are in your children's program? So we have that here. Like our, by the time our boys and children go through, they, they have a model to look at and they're getting shaped not only with a woman's love, but with a man's love. And, and you know, and I know masculinity can only be bestowed from one man to another. As hard as a mom might want to try or a woman might want to try, she can't do that. There's nothing like having a dude look at another dude and say, I believe in you. You got what it takes. So we, so that's a picture snapshot of Grace Community Church here in Goshen. Yeah. And I love what you just said, Jim, because I often tell, tell, and I have to unfortunately tell this to women (laughs) that they can encourage men, but they can't affirm a man That, that has to come from another man. Now, you, you mentioned that you have a sizable men, a group of men at your church. Now, I'm sure it didn't start off that way. What started the, the momentum for you to be able to track that many men to your church, especially get them into the children's ministry? That's unheard of. Yeah, to be quite frank, you know, I started out like most people do, 60 people. My first Sunday here, my two kids doubled the children's ministry. We had a handful of people, but there, were, there was a core group there that believed with all their hearts. They wanted to reach people. And uh, I'll back it up. When, when I came here, I, I my wife and I, my wife Ann, who I love dearly, she she helps me be the man I am today and supports me. I wanted to be part of a group, a church that was accepting of people. And so, 
I'll back it up. I was, you know, grad school seminary. I was the typical guy coming through, wanted to get involved in the church, um, seminary chaplain, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I wanted, we wanted to be part of a place that would accept people. We were open to, you know, West coast, East coast, it didn't matter. Uh, and so I heard about this church in Goshen, Indiana, didn't know much about it, but I wanted to know if they would accept people. And in fact, accept men, like, did I have to play a game? Did I have, was there a song and dance I had to do before I could go to this church? So right. I went up, drove up my Ford F-150 truck, put on my high top Adidas sneaks, dressed clean, put on a ball hat. I just wanted to know, Hey, this is me. This is how you're going to see me through the week. This is how God's created me. That this is who I am. And I remember walking into that meeting, knowing, hey, if they're not going to accept me as you know to lead them, and this is who I am, how in the world will it ever be accepting place from people from all walks of life? And to be quite frank, it they did, and uh, you know, they, they, a couple of them said I was expecting ink protectors and polyester long pants, but uh, they saw that this is a real person. So from day one. Uh, we wanted to be that church that was willing to accept a man where he was at and to make a place where he would want to come into. And so, you know, the lingo, uh, how I speak, I, uh, I go after man. There's times Joe and messages and, um, our lady stand up and cheer. Uh, <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll say something like, dude, so, you guys are blowing it. You, <laughs> you, you are blowing it and you need to get off of your butts and, and be the man God's created you to be. I just, but here's what was happening. Men want to be called out to a great adventure. Men want to be challenged. Yeah. Men are hungry for that in the church. Yes. And, uh, I, you know, also I see my Savior, Jesus. Holy cow. You know, the picture sometimes we paint of him is one side. And mm-hmm. he was. He was a tender shepherd. He was a caregiver. But I'll tell you what, my Savior, our Savior, Jesus Christ, you know, he was a warrior. There's no doubt that he would stand up and defend and he would fight for what is right. He wasn't afraid of anyone. Right. And we've lost, we lost that, you know, that, the, the outlaw side, John Eldridge says of, of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, so create an environment where there's safety to be you and call men out with truth. And they're running here, Joe, men yeah. are running here. And I hear them say, finally, finally, we got a place where someone's calling me out. Like instead of, cutting me off at the knees. So yeah. that's kind of the heartbeat here. And Jim, I, I told you earlier that, because we're talking about a topic that we could spend the whole interview on, is how to get men more involved in church and being more active and stepping up. But And I, and I hope we bring you on, on the broadcast again, but we're going to focus now on dealing with the man, specifically the issue, because I told you I wanted to bring you on because you have identified four critical areas of growth for men that yeah. When I know when you explained it to me, I'm thinking, wow, that's going to be the show. That's We have to talk about that because I have to get you to unpack that. But um, so we're going to get into those areas and, and I'm going to ask you some questions about specifically some of the challenges that men face. But I'm going to give you I'm going to turn it over to you and you tell me what are those four critical areas of growth for men that are vital to our success in the body of Christ? I think it's pretty simple. Uh, Luke 252. Uh, if you look at that, it says Jesus grew in wisdom, he grew in stature, he grew in his favor with God and, and in relationship with man. Four areas. If Jesus grew in these four areas, you know, all right, that, that's got my attention because I want to mm-hmm. be like Jesus. Right. So Jesus grew in wisdom, he grew intellectually. Jesus grew in stature, Jesus grew physically. And by the way, I want to spend some time there. That one always gets dropped in the local church. Okay. Um, and Jesus grew um, in his relationship with with his father, so spiritually, and Jesus grew in his relationship with others relationally. So you have Jesus grew intellectually, Jesus grew physically, Jesus grew spiritually, Jesus grew relationally. And so those four areas we hammer on, like if we get those four areas down in this Fight Club journey, in a man's journey, you get those areas down, uh, you're on your way. And and I would say this, I pull in and say, if one area is out of whack, it's toxic to the other four three areas that are left. So we have to be doing them all. We can't say, well, I got this one down that it, in some way it doesn't indirectly or directly impact the other areas. So our fight club journey targets those four areas with assignments that are specifically each week are in those four areas. So that's where I would begin um, with, is those four areas. Joe. So let's break down those four areas and we'll start with, and since we're going to spend you know, you said the area that's neglected is usually physically. We'll save that one for last. Okay. So well, let's let's start with wisdom. Okay, and intellectually. Yeah. So men grow intellectually, and so this journey. 
here, here's what I know to be true. By the time a man graduates from high school, he only reads one more book the rest of his life. One book. Now think about that. Yeah. And so and I, I know the reasons for that. You know, we, we get busy, other things come in. But, you know, I had a, a, a man tell me one time, he says, Jim, the depth of your knowledge is determined by the breadth of your library. And mm. so you say that, have, again, say that again, Jim. I he like said that. The, the depth of your knowledge is determined by the breadth of your library. Wow. And, and so he challenged me. I had a guy challenge me one time uh, 25 years ago to say, Jim, if you want to be a lifelong learner, if you, want, if you want to continue to grow in your relationship with Christ, then there are some great men and women of God out there who, who, who have some wise things to say. You know, the DNA of you can be impacted by them. So be a reader. Mm-hmm. And so one of the one of the areas in, in Fight Club is not only are we reading the Word of God daily. Um, in fact, we read a chapter of Proverbs every single day for that ten weeks. So determine what the day is. If it's the twenty sixth or twenty seventh day, you're reading prep, ch- Proverbs chapter twenty seven. So men for the first time are on this journey and they're reading every day. Plus, we pick a book that we read together, and some guys go audio audio with that. So intellectually, they're growing. They're, they have an assignment to, to read a book. Um, they're also in God's Word every day, and they're also memorizing a, a passage of Scripture. You know, that's a lost art, to be quite frank. Amen. Joe. I know that's right. <laughs> it, it is. Um, people in the church don't memorize at all. Uh, we used to be rewarded for it, uh, and so we, we have a memorize a, a, a verse a week, and not only are they doing it, they're taking it home, and they're getting their sons and daughters and their wives, and the uh, Bible tells us if we hide God's word in our heart, we won't sin against him. And so intellectually, that part. So we have uh, assignments that, you know, that have them reading God's word. They're also reading a book. They're also memorizing scripture. So every week they're taking input in. They're taking information in. And uh, that's been that's been good. It's it's uh, now, how, well, how long is the duration of the fight club then when you're taking them through these challenges? How long is it? It is 10 weeks. Okay. And so they here, let me pull away one little and unique thing about sure. fight club is that you can strike out of this. And, and let, let me explain that, okay. which is which is very unique. A man has three strikes and he's out like if he misses or doesn't complete an assignment it's a strike against him. And the reason we've done that is men, once they join up or something, my experience has been, they sign up for a Bible study. They, Hey, I'm going to come to this meeting and they show up, they hit and miss their kids have this something going on or they're tired. They they work overtime and men drop out. Now, if there isn't a cause or a purpose or, you know, a reason that he has to stay, a man will find an excuse. So Mm -hmm. um, there's something about, we love that competition and it doesn't make us elite. We get rewarded if we, we complete high school. If you graduate, you finish the assignments, you get a diploma. If you, um, you, know, you try to earn something uh, at work, a task, you, know, you can't quit. You, if you have to work 40 hours, you don't only work 38. Um, and so we've added that element that has also forced men to realize I have to be intentional. I have to put intentionality to these good causes every day. Mm-hmm. So that's a small piece that that we've added. That's that's really been good, by the way. So um, the three strikes are related to them not fulfilling a commitment that they've made. Yes. Okay. Yep. Gotcha. Yep. That makes yep. perfect sense. So we have the intellectual piece and component of it. That's we're talking about wisdom. Now let's deal with the the relationship spiritually. Um, you're talking about that that that's what Jesus had a relationship with the Father. Why yeah, is that, that such a critical growth area for us as men? Well, first thing, you know, obviously, if we're not, I say it this way, I can never give if I haven't received from God. The only way I can operate and be the man, I, I talk here and say, uh, live to our redeemed potential. Way too many men live way below their redemptive potential. The only way I can ever be the man God wants me to be, if I'm, he's filling me up. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not, if I'm not, you know, spending time with him, if, if, if I'm not, blocking out and we'll do this. We'll, we'll spend uh, a portion of this maybe for a day off. In our case, 400, 500 men fasting 24 hours, spending time on our lunch hours, just talking to God, getting, we'll, we'll sit out in wilderness. Um, we'll, we've built altars. That's something that's been lost in the New Testament in our world today. I mean, are all through the Old Testament. We have men go out and build crosses in the woods and kneel before it and make commitments to God. So um, if I'm not filled up, 
I can never give out. Right. So the relational part is begins with daily confession, um, putting on the armor of God. I, I'm, I'm a big component that, you know, Ephesians 6, put on the armor of God. It's not something that happens for you. I say, hey, we get dressed physically every day and praise God for that. They wouldn't want to see us out running around <laughs> <Right>. naked. <laughs> It'd be an ugly case for cause for, for most of us. In any case, I say we get dressed every day because we have to. If we want to, you know, the weather is indicative. You need warm clothes. Yet we have men every single day, every single day that don't get dressed spiritually. And I say, it's like walk into the battle zone in your speedo. Like, dude, you're going <laughs> yeah. to you're gonna get defeated. And so that's, that's right. A, that's a regular thing we encourage men because we don't, we're not battling against flesh and blood, but against evil principalities and spirits. And so we've opened up these men relationship with the father realize there's an enemy and that there's an there's there's these demons that are that are part of that enemy's attack plan so be prepared so talking about the spirit world you know put on the armor of god spend time in his word um and it's simple as as simple as reading a chapter of scripture and guys ask me all the time i don't know how to pray i say how do you how how do you talk to someone it's the same way. Let me give me, for instance, I, I saw a man come to Christ and it was the first time he ever prayed to God. I'll never forget this. And, and he said, he said, Jim, I, I, I don't know how to pray. Can you teach me how to pray? I said, hey, you're talking to me, right? Just picture Jesus between you and me and talk to him like you would talk to me. Mm-hmm. And so he began this prayer. I'll never forget. He said, he said, Jesus, I've never done this before, but my life really sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So I he love said, it. He said, he said, my life sucks and I don't want to suck anymore. You know? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you know, and, and so, and, 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 and then, and, and he said, can, and then he said this, can you help me not to allow my life to suck anymore? Wow. And, uh, and, uh, and we got done praying and, and be quite frank, I was, I was just sobbing in tears because mm-hmm. that's how we should go to Christ. You know, yeah. he already knows what we're thinking. And so I, I tell guys, listen, do you think some eloquent prayer that you speak is going to, Jesus already knows everything about you and loves you anyhow. So right. just. Go to him honestly, as if you would to someone that you can trust. So we pull men, teach them how to pray. Uh, so they're they're daily just talking to God. They're getting dressed spiritually. They're they're, they're they have to read God's word, and then um, and making the right choices. What what we put in our minds, because right. what we put in, um, it comes out. It just absolutely, does. Absolutely, absolutely. And so now, before we get to the the third component, um, which we're going to talk about, is relationally. Which I think is so vital, but I wanted to ask you a quick question because you're saying you're meeting over ten weeks with this. Yes. When you guys come together, how how much time are you spending together doing these ten weeks? Here's the unique part about we've made we realize uh, that men are busy, right? That that men we have lots of men that travel for their jobs, um, and so we have one kickoff meeting. We do it at midnight, by the way. Now that's yeah, that that's pretty cool. It's okay. different. <laughs> it, we gather at midnight, and guys, are, um, there's something mysterious about that, by the way. Um, and part of that is. I don't want to hear your lame excuses that you you know you got something going on. Mm-hmm. Most men aren't working at midnight; they're right. working third shift. Right. Right. Most men don't have a kids' sporting event at midnight, uh, and so we gather at midnight to remove all the dumb excuses that guys come up with. And uh, we gather, and we have a um, we have some fun games, competitions. Uh, we do push-ups instead of we we do a, a physical analysis. So um, the so we have that one large gathering, and then we have one other large gathering for all the guys that are in it. Halfway through the chapter, we go out to a camp. We do that at midnight, and uh, you know, um, which is big bonfire. Guys love fires. Uh, gather around that. But as far as the actual time, most of the time spent, you have a squadron leader that's overseeing a squad of men. He connects through social media, you know, whether it's text or closed Facebook page. That's only for them right. where they can. Um, so and, and, and then they'll if the squad leader wants to, he will um, two or three times during the chapter have breakfast with them just to catch up. So it's not meeting intensive, which mm-hmm. usually destroys, destroys um, longevity and men's ability to hang on. Uh, so so guys can actually do these assignments um, and check in with their accountability partner and their squadron leader, and they could be on the road doing these things. Okay. And so, yeah, because I was wondering how I was looking at the structure of it. I'm like, do men get burned out from it or do they get intimidated about it? So it doesn't seem like it's really taxing them. They just have to be committed. That's that's it, Joe. You, you nailed it right there. Gotcha. So yep. we talked about that the four areas of growth we mentioned. We started with intellectually for the man and also spiritually. 
Now, let's get into uh, a real critical component for a lot of men, which is relationally um, to others. Yeah, I'll this, that for us. Yeah, this is how you love your wife. Um, how do you be a good friend? How, how do you love your kids? Um, how do you how do you live with this dude on the workplace on the assembly line that just you, if you had a chance, you take him out back and beat him up, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, you know, um, how do you deal with this guy that just grates you, that rubs you wrong? That um, what are what are what are the? How can I live in this world and um, not be so incredibly frustrated? But how can I live in this world that the, I would say the aroma of Christ just comes out of me, where someone looks at me and says, "Dude, what is it about you? How come you didn't respond like most men do to this?" Um, horrible situation. Mm-hmm. So live in such a way that through our actions and not just our words. And uh, men, men are failing miserably uh, to love their wives the way God wants them to. I, I say this, you know, the, the Ephesian passage where um, Paul tells us that we're, we're to present our wives as a blameless um, a person to God, you know. And, and so I say to this to men, our responsibility as husbands when our wives stand before the Bema seat, when she stands before Jesus Christ, that we have presented her as a blameless bride, like somehow we are getting her ready to stand before Jesus. Our responsibility is to help her to be so in love with Jesus and live her life out in such a way that like this is our gift to her and our gift to God. We've done our job to get our brides ready to stand before Jesus. And uh, most men miss out on that. And, um, and so assignments, uh, backing out. So we have some really practical stuff, um, simple stuff that guys, you know, they, they haven't done for years. Like, uh, Hey, this week, find five ways, different ways to tell your wife, you love her, you know, text your wife five, six times a day and just say, Hey baby, I love you. That's all. Hey, uh, go out in the driveway with some chalk and write, I love you. Leave a note under the pillow. I love you. Um, I, often, I say this too. I tell our guys another practice. We've lost. We've we've even lost the the how to, how to tenderly care. Like hold your wife's hand. When's the last time mm-hmm. you, you held your wife's? Open the door for. Open the car door for her. Um, and and I'll say this. Do the things that you did to get her. Here's right. her, here's how you know how dudes are, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> we we uh we you know we're out to capture. We're on this hunt. And mm-hmm. once we bagged her or bagged it that's it. We got what we wanted. And so I said, Motto on the wall. <laughs> exactly. That's it, man. That's it. And so dudes keep doing those things that, that, that made your wife want you to chase her. And so go back. Hey, what was it? Well, we went for walks. When's the last time you went for a walk? We, for me personally, my wife and I dated in college. Um, some of our early days because we're poor, we went and shot hoops together and, you know, boxing her out and having fun with her and wow. um, doing some of returning to, and, and even now, like my wife and I exercise together and you know, we run at different speeds, but the mere fact that we start at the same spot and we finish at the same spot on these trails is deeply meaningful. Get in her life, ask her questions like, like, baby, what is it? How can I pray for you? And I also say this, we've learned to teach our men to pray with instead of for their wives. Gotcha. And uh, so in the mornings, I tell them, before you leave, grab your wife's hands, look in her eyes, and pray with her. And we've had guys, I would say, Joe, I would say across churches that the I would say as many as 75% of men don't pray with their wife. In fact, they're afraid of it. They're afraid you, you of it. You think 75%? That's that's what we found here. Wow. The, they'll pray for. Right, right. Uh, and they'll say, hey, I prayed for you, but they're afraid to pray. And and you do the I've done the, I've done the studies and, and they're out there. A man that prays with his wife, his the level of intimacy, even in his marriage and in his sexual intimacy, grows seventy five percent. Wow! Um, because there's a deep bond that takes place. A wife feels protected when her man prays with them. So setting assignments up where taking her out to her special place, you know, lift her up, value her more than you do your time, mm-hmm. and. Uh, uh, and, and then I'll say this. Okay, come home, turn your cell phones off, turn off all your social media, and spend 30 minutes, an hour. Don't tell your wife. By the way, we don't tell them we're doing this. Um, oh, okay. Because, uh, you know, it's like, okay, you're only doing that because it's Fight Club. Right. Um, but have 
social media out time, just sitting with your wife and your family and, you know, just that you're playing a game with them. You're, you're talking to them. And so blocking out. So go back and do the things you did to catch her in the first place. Yeah. So we go after those and our kids, um, you know, I, I personally know what their love languages are. I, I know all three of my kids love language. I know my wife's love language and I'm pouring into that. You know, I have a son that has words of affirmation. So all through the week, I'm on assignment. I'm, I'm speaking words of affirmation. I, I have a son that or daughter whose primary love language is, is time. I've found ways as I've raised my daughter to play board games that I hate. You know, <laughs> I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do on my own. But man, it's my daughter. You right. know, and, and I want to show her. You know, and 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 take your daughter to daddy daughter dances. Mm-hmm. Show them what she should be looking for in a man, and so that she's not out looking somewhere else. So there are assignments that just simple things, showing love, um, acting it out instead of just talking about it. You know what I'm hearing, Jim, what you're saying basically is intentionality, being intentional. You know, I will confess, even though we keep keep it real on Real Men Connect, so I will confess that my wife and I spend a lot of time together and, you know, I date my daughter and I spend time with my son and that kind of thing. But since I let, let, launched the podcast about a couple of weeks ago, I've been consumed with <laughs> getting this thing on the air, um, marketing and promoting it, sharing it with um, family and friends and, and all types of answering questions that people have about it. And my wife came home last night because she's a fitness trainer. She's one of the mm-hmm. top trainers here in, in Tennessee, in Chattanooga. And she came home and it was around about maybe about somewhere five, eight o'clock or something like that. And the first words she said to me when I was in the room, she says, um, so you're not working tonight? Huh. Talking about an indictment. Oh, oh yeah. Boom, <laughs> man, right just, in the heart. Oh, and I said, oh, I said, no, I said, I'm not working that because like you said, I was intentional mm-hmm. and said, you know what? No, um, the podcast can wait. The work can wait. I can get to that later. I said, but right now she needs me. And, and so yeah. I had, and then, you know, all, it was exactly what you just said, Jim. I had to go back to what I used to do. That's all I had to do. Just go back to what I used to do. And so um, I'm hoping that the men out there and they're, you know, they're listening to this broadcast and the host is struggling <laughs> with this. <laughs> so I'm hoping that they understand that this is a process and you have to be reminded. And you we mentioned earlier about uh, about relationally with others and you talked about with the family, but also being held accountable to, by other men. You oh, know, yeah. Asking you those tough questions. You mentioned the 10 questions that you guys ask each other. And at the end of it, you ask. Are you telling me the truth? Right. <laughs> men, yeah. we can't lie. Yeah, most men, Joe, and I touched on it briefly, is we think we have accountability, but we have compatibility. Right. Um, hey, I'm struggling with this um, pornography addiction. And he comes back to you the next week and says, yeah, I fell three times. Oh, let, let me pray for you. Like, I'm in his face saying, dude, okay, when is this happening? When do you struggle the most? I'm, I'm sending you a text I don't want you to be alone in front of a computer and a TV by yourself. I don't want you to be on your phone in the dark by yourself. Right. Tell me when that is. And let me tell you, I, there should be a little bit of fear. I say this about accountability. If you're in a relationship with another man, he's your accountability. If you're not a little bit afraid to tell him the truth, then that's not accountability. Wow. Say that again. I like, I've never heard that before. Say that again. Well, I, 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 I say that if you're an accountability, if you have an accountability partner, and if you're not just a little bit afraid mm-hmm. to meet with that brother that week and tell him what you've, how you failed or what you went through, if there's not a little bit of fear to tell him, then that's not accountability. That's compatibility. Then get out. Get another man. Because yeah, that's good. That's good. Because otherwise, you're just doing the same thing over and over right. and over, and it's insanity. And, you know, right. hugging each other and giving a high five, pat each other on the butt. Hey, do better. You, you'll, you'll never improve. You just never will. Now, I often say that church without change is pointless. And (laughs) now I'm thinking I should say companionship without change is is pointless as well. That you have to have someone who's going to challenge you to be better than your old self. You know, so that that I'm glad that you mentioned that is great. Now, you mentioned earlier that the last component, the physical component of it, is that we tend to overlook that um, in the body of Christ. So, I wanted to say now the time so you can jump into that. Explain to, uh, to us what, what you mean by we have to grow as men physically and how we're not giving enough attention to that. It's a personal preference, not just of desire, but even as a church, one of the goals we have for this past year would be the fittest church on planet Earth. Um, and even as a pastor, I, I remember studying the journey coming through and I remember 
um, sitting in a class. It was in seminary or college. And I remember sitting there thinking, uh, the Lord just convicted me, the Spirit just convicted me. Jim, how in the world can you, will you ever be able to one day stand up in front of a group of people and encourage them to be disciplined and to be on for Jesus if you're 50 pounds overweight, if you don't have discipline in your area when it comes to fitness and food in that area? Ouch. And, <laughs> and, uh, and you know, and, and so if, if we, if we want to win a world to Jesus, if we want to, you know, if we want to live for Christ in the way he wants us to, I believe this, Joe. Um, this is uh, picture this scenario. What if, if when we stand before the beam of seat of Christ, and I know we're going to be, he's going to reflect our good works there, but just picture this. Imagine Jesus standing before us at the beam of seat and he has this film, however it is, video, whatever it is. And he says this, here's how I could have used you if you didn't render yourself ineffective because of your physical health. Wow. Um, and that is a, it's an indicting statement. Like so many, I tell, I tell our guys, some of you are so unfit that you couldn't even rescue your own wife who was drowning in a pool. Some of you are so unfit that if your son or daughter got lost in the mountains, you would have to send someone else in. You couldn't even, you couldn't go yourself. And if we are called to be the providers and protectors and leaders of our family, then shame on us. Sure. Seriously, shame on us. And then I back it out and say, besides, I said, if the president of the United States you knew he was coming to your house this weekend. You got word that president was coming. He was staying at your home. You and your wife and your kids, you would turn your house upside down. You would vacuum clean. You might even bring new carpet in. You'd probably <laughs> buy new linens. You would, you would bring in the best food. You would clean that house from top to bottom. Why? Because the president of the United States was going to live in your house. And I say, well, no, hold on. This hit the brakes. We have the God of the universe living in our house. We are the temple. And I say, if we're not giving him the cleanest, purest vessel, to, fittest vessel to live in, then what have we done? We have, we have the Holy Spirit living in us, and we've given him a vessel that is out of shape physically, spiritually, emotionally. And I believe that this area is never, I don't, in fact, I have searched high and low. This is what's unique about Fight Club. We address this. We address this. Our guys are trying to get physically fit. So, I, I tell our guys all the time, I say, we should, First Peter 3.15 says, we should be ready and prepared to give an answer right. to those who ask and do it gentleness and respect. And I said, number one, get a passport. If you don't own a passport, then you're not ready because God could call you to the other side of the world. That's step one. But if you're not ready physically, if something renders you ineffective because you can't breathe, oh. then shame. And guys, get with it. Yeah. So we go after the physical. Now we're not trying to bring attention to ourselves. And, and so the, the journey is, hey, we're walking miles, we're running miles, we're biking miles, we're doing push-ups and setups daily. We're trying to, to, to mold and make our bodies and build our bodies to be able to be used by God. And, I, and also, we have wives. I tell them we have wives that are looking at us. And, and if we want to bring security to our home, we know they're securing our identities in Christ. But we have, I have wives come to me and they're fearful their husband's going to die of a heart attack or a stroke. And they're wondering, how can I make it? What am I going to do when he's the breadwinner or, or, or how am I going to make it? And so take away that fear that she doesn't have to wonder if you're going to shortcut how God can use you and you're going to die. Like remove all those fears that the enemy wants to bring. And so we go after the physical part and, uh, and be quite frank, you, you should see what happens. All of a sudden a man realizes I can do this. Mm -hmm. he, he, this newfound joy in his heart, he becomes, and an, an for me personally, I tell our guys staff-wise, we should be the most alert, the brightest men in the meetings that we're in. And if we're physically not eating well and getting our body strong, then, then we are not preparing ourselves to take this church that God has given us and lead it in the best way. If we say, you know, I'm tired, I'm out of shape. And it, Personal, I'll give you a personal. Uh, one of the goals I have personally, um, obviously, is to be able to chase my wife around when I'm 80 years old. You know? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but, uh, and, and, but also for my boys, I, uh, we're a family that played sports. My son and my daughter, my son played college baseball and basketball and baseball. And my boys, my boy plays basketball now in high school. You know, we, I play basketball, but I have a personal goal. I'm 54. I want to be able to lace up my shoes, my basketball shoes with my son and my younger son too, and playing an adult basketball league. Um, just personal goal, like how cool that is, dad and son, you know, garden together. Yeah. Not just for me, but for my 
my son to look at me and say, my dad loves me enough that he cares about even to be involved in this part of my life. And uh, so my daughter came to me last week and she said, last night, even, dad, you want to do a half marathon together? I said, honey, I would love to. My daughter's quality time. I'll be able to train with her and run a half marathon with her. Like that's what dads are supposed to do. Right, right. And, but our churches are pastors. I'm, I'm calling pastors out. I love you, brothers. Um, <laughs> Call them out, brother. I'm calling out. Listen to me. <laughs> step away from the table. Uh, step away from the potluck. Uh, uh, run, run from the buffet. The living God lives in you. Listen, and uh, it, too much is at stake for you to render yourself ineffective and, and to allow the physical part to be toxic to how God could use you. Um, and way, way too many men have rendered themselves ineffective in the physical part. And Jim, I can tell you, when my wife hears this podcast, she's going to fall in love with you. <laughs> she she is such a pioneer for getting the church healthy again. I tell you, that's what she does. And she is bridging the gap between the physical and the spiritual. Um, so she's going to love what you're saying. I mean, she's going to say, hallelujah. Joe, you need to bring him on every week. <laughs> <laughs> But Jim, I want to ask, as you're a pastor, why is this such a challenge? Why you know, I'm assuming out of the four areas that probably, is it physical? Is that the seems to be the biggest challenge that men face coming into the church? Or is it another area that I'm missing? What do you think is the, the toughest area for men? I would say it's physical because- And why is to, that? Because they believe that it's over. They graduate from high school mm-hmm. and they talk about their glory days um, because they don't, when you get out of high school, you really don't have the next, like you don't have a team. You, you know, you might play softball, but, you know, you can play softball and be 50 pounds overweight. Right. Um, but you don't have you, you're not going after something. You're not achieving something. And and plus, why? Uh, I'll be very honest. I don't think preachers talk about it uh, because uh, they're they're not willing to be disciplined in that area either. And uh, I, I, I rarely ever hear it addressed in the local church. Um, I don't see it in any men's discipleship journeys. I don't. I've never been part of a discipleship journey where we talked about the physical, how important that is. Um, you know, we go and Paul says that, you know, that uh, physical training is of some value, but spiritual training is of much value. That passage doesn't say that it isn't. It's duration. You know, when I look at that passage, it's of the duration of the physical value is less because you live 70 or 80 years. Spiritual duration is forever. It's a duration and not um, an emphasis. And so we, we have all these pat excuses and, you know, it's, they've, they've just given up and, uh, you know, you know, so that is a big issue. It's a huge issue. Well, hopefully people like you who are leading a church and all ministry leaders out there who resonate with your message, maybe the tide is turning that we have to lead by example to be physically in shape and to eat healthy and to be an example of what a healthy Christian looks like. I'll I'll share this with you, something my wife says I thought was just so powerful. She says when she meets women, especially in the church, she says, I want your body to reflect your faith. Wow. And I want your faith to reflect your body. Praise God. I told my wife, I said, I'm writing that down. That is an (laughs) awesome statement because think about it. You know, how can you have strong faith, but your body looks flimsy? (laughs) Absolutely. And you know, the other thing, it's hard. I mean, I I tell guys, they look at me sometimes and say, well, it's just, no, it isn't. I like Mike and Ike's. I like (laughs) M&M's. Man, you bring a Mike and Mike into me and I curse that thing. It's just (laughs) candy. You know, there's, um, I, and so there's, there's, there's balance. There's 80, 20 principle, but I have to say no to the flesh. I, you know, I don't, there's times I don't feel like last night I was, I was watching a, I'm, I'm a Maryland Terps basketball fan. So I was watching you know, some big well, basketball. they're having a great year this year. Yeah, it's been a great season, <laughs> yeah. by the way. Um, uh, but in case, I'm on the treadmill. I didn't feel like running. It was 8 o'clock at night. And, man, my body's like, I'm tired. But I know the benefit of it. I know right. that. Plus, God has given me the opportunity to lead the local church. I don't want to limit how he can use me. Too much is at stake. Right. So, yeah. You okay. know, I've been working out, I guess, consistently for the last, I've lost count now, at least 25 years. I used to be a high school wrestler. Um, however, people always ask me about, man, you just love working out. You're in pretty good shape. And I tell them, I can't stand working out. I know. I said, I'm very, you know, the only times I've enjoyed working out, Jim, has been working out with other men. Yeah. But yeah. I don't really enjoy it. They said, then why do you do it? You've been doing it so long. I said, because based on the calling God has on my life, I must have the energy to sustain this calling. I must be physically able to do it. 
And yes. so I, I'm glad that you were able to tie that in with the the body of Christ and the physical body of Christ that we need to take care of this temple. Yeah. And and Jim, I want to transition before we get into the man of questions, because you mentioned that you're 54 and you you make some choices in your life to be around for your grandkids and for your kids. But I want to take you back to a younger version of you. OK, we're going to take you back to 21 <laughs> when, Jim, <laughs> when Jim was 21 years old. If you can go back to that 21 year old right now, what would you tell him to do first as a young man? I would say get another man. Um, and, and pour into him and make sure you have someone pouring into you. I would mm-hmm. say give your life away and, uh, and, and rally other men uh, for that cause. Like, oh, I love uh, that. Give yeah. your life away. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if you could see that young man, what would you tell him to do better? He's, I, been, I, he's been striving, but he want, what should he have done better? I've been more intentional uh, um, in his be more intentional about living out some of those four things. Like if I had what Luke two fifty two, what I have now, uh-huh. holy cow, holy cow. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would be like, live those four areas out and be intentional every single day, not just, you know, four days of the week, but all seven days of the week. Gotcha. I, gotcha. Yeah. That's great. Now I'm sure there was something that you were doing that was very positive at 21. So we're going to put a different spin on it. What would you have him do more of that? Maybe he slowed down or he stopped doing that he should have kept doing. I have a real unique uh, journey. Um, I God, uh, had, had a guy come to me when I was 21 um, um, and say, Jim, you know, I, I was leading a college and career Bible study, kind of an offshoot of, uh, of, of a local church and me and a couple other guys. And it grew. There was 300 people involved in this thing. It went nuts. And I had a guy come to me and say, Jim, actually around 21 said, when you speak, people listen, you ought to think about leaving this career job that you have and go to college. And, uh, and I actually did that, Joe, I, uh, I left. And, um, and so, um, so for me, it was, I've always had this passion to pour into other people, um, because I've always had a man pouring into me. When I look back, there's always been a man that has spoken in my life that, Hey, Jim, do this, a man that met with me. And so going back, I would say, continue to, to pour into the next man so that he can pour in. Because I believe if you get the man, you get the family, you get the community, and you get the world. So always be getting another man. Great. And thank you for sharing that with us, Jim. I really appreciate it. Now it's time, as you know, for what we call the man up questions. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. And these are just five quick questions, starting with the letters M-A-N-U-P, that requires um, honesty, which I'm sure you won't have a problem with. Yeah. And so the question is, are you ready? Oh, yeah, I'm ready. (laughs) All right, so let's go. Now, the M stands for mistake, Jim. What mistake did you learn the most from as a man? I confided in the wrong people. I believed that I could tell them something that they wouldn't tell someone else. And, um, I soon found out that I, I confided in someone um, about a truth, and I found out uh, I was in a circle, and what I said to them came up, and I learned that make sure that you know who you can trust. And uh, um, and in 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 the flip side of that, it, it convicted me that when someone speaks to me, don't tell some, don't don't say, hey, um, don't tell anybody. I, I told you this. So mm-hmm. I learned from that mistake um, happening to me that um, um, make sure, and that's probably why accountability is such a big issue to me in, in reaching men. Uh, right. But don't uh, be careful who you confide in. Okay. And that's, that's good. Good stuff. Now the A represents attitude. Now you've obviously come across a lot of men. You work with a lot of men, especially even in your congregation. If you could change one attitude in men, what would that be? Uh, entitlement. I mean, I, I can think back even when I, I had these uh, dreams that somehow being a pastor, that somehow when I speak, people would listen and that I could just put the word out there. I deserve this. And hey, I'm uh, but entitlement. Um, I, I, I see that they, 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 they forgot that leading is serving. Right. And, um, and so this entitlement also lends itself to laziness. Well, this is my position, so I don't have to do anything. So I, I, the attitude of just, Hey, you, you need to do this for me. I, I deserve this. Men struggle with entitlement. Okay, good. And I've actually addressed that issue on a prior broadcast as well. 
Now, the N stands for next. What's the next big thing you would attempt to do for God if you knew you couldn't fail? You're doing a lot of great things now, but what would be the next big thing you'd attempt for him? I would, uh, and it's been a prayer, and I've been, you know, I, I prayed this while I was in Iraq last week, um, um, reaching men that somehow God would, um, not, not for my glory, and I say this, uh, and I'll talk, talk on that on the problem uh, at the last one, but that God would allow me to have a platform in the world uh, to see men come alive in Jesus. Like, mm-hmm. I am so hungry. And I know that's your heartbeat, so that's why we're together here today. Right. But right. I, I, I just, Lord, just whatever that venue is, let's, let me, let me link arms with people like Joe Martin. Let me link arms with men that know that we have so much more from him. Give, me, give us the platform for, to the world so that men can come alive. That's my dream. Wow. Man, you you got me excited. <laughs> All right. All right. And Jim, the last letter is P, which stands for problem. And as a mighty man of God, which you are, what one problem in your life do you still struggle with as a man even today? Oh, pride. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, if I if, you, if if I say I don't, then I, I'd be lying. It's it, it creeps its ugly head um, and trying to understand what it means to be a humble man. Um, but um, you know, I, I'd love to see God do great things. And um, I love it when God comes through and I have to be very careful to give all the credit to God because, you know, anything good that comes from me is only because of Jesus working through me. But um, the pride to be noticed, um, mm-hmm. recognized, um, you know, for successes. And um, so, yeah, it's I hate it. And it's it's a it's a daily struggle. Um, but. Um, it's a battle that uh, God can help me daily win. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks, Jim, for sharing that. And thank you for being so transparent about that. One reason I asked a man of questions is because I want men to know that even as great men of God who are pursuing God with all their hearts and mind, their soul and their strength, that we still struggle. Oh, yeah. And and it's a daily grind. And But we have to submit and surrender to his will. Uh, a good friend of mine who's in a small group with me. He says that pride stands for, please remember, I destroy everything. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I'm please please remember, I destroy everything. And I never <laughs> forgot that when he shared that with us in a group, because we as men, even men um, of great faith, we still struggle with pride. So thank oh, yeah. you for, for sharing that with our, our listening audience. And before we, we close out the broadcast, if there was one thing... And I think I probably can guess what it is, Jim. But if there was one thing you want our listeners to remember, the men out there to remember, what would it be? Uh, I believe if you get the man, you get the family. You get the family, you get the community. You get the community, you get the world for Jesus. Uh, God mm-hmm. is, is longing uh, for men to come alive and lead their homes, families, and workplaces. And that's what we're trying to do. So I'm glad you ended on that note. Well, guys, we've come to the end of our show for today. But um, don't you worry, we'll be back to do it again next week. Uh, with a new guest, with new insights and new lessons. So make sure you don't miss it. And I'd like to thank you, Jim, for joining us today, for being such, so gracious with your time and being so transparent and, and open with us on the show. Thanks, Joe. It's, it's a privilege to be here. And, and I got your back in prayer, bro. I love what you're doing, too. Thanks for and, doing this. Well, thank you. And one thing I love about the show is that I get to meet men like you who I hadn't met before, but the Holy Spirit led you to me. And I was able to meet you through a, a friend. And so I'm so thankful that you you joined us. And quickly for us, Jim, if um, our listeners wanted to find out more about the Fight Club or what you're doing in ministry and what you're working on, how could they connect with you? Well, they can go two places. They can go, obviously, to Facebook, Fight Club 414. Um, they can also go to our website, um, it, which is fightclub414.com. You can go there and there's there's, you know, if you have questions, you can send it to the email that's there, but we'd love for you to go check it out. Okay. And we'll also add that to the show notes as well. And so thanks for sharing that information with us. And to all of you out there, please do us a favor. First of all, thank you for listening because without you, we wouldn't have a broadcast. So thank you guys for tuning in and for, and hopefully you've gained some great insight from Jim today, as well as some of the guests we've had in the past. So, but please do us a favor. This is so important. Take about 30 seconds, go over to iTunes and rate the program. It's the best way to help us get this program in the hands, ears, and hearts of men just like you. And please don't keep us a secret. Share this with your friends. I'm sure you can think of at least three guys you can share this episode with. So please don't keep it a secret. Share it with the men in your life who can who need to be blessed. Until next time, I'm Joe Martin, the man builder with RealMenConnect.com, reminding you 
that we are males by birth, but we are men by choice. So each and every day, choose with intentionality to be the man that God called and created you to be because a male is a terrible thing to waste. So until next time, stay strong, stay blessed, and as you know, always stay in his grip. Thank you for listening to the Real Men Connect podcast with Dr. Joe Martin. Real Men Connect isn't just a podcast. It's a mission, ministry, and movement to help good men become the great men God called and created us to be. And the best is yet to come. So if you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and leave us a review in iTunes. It really helps us to build the podcast and to reach, teach, and impact more men, all for the glory of God. And make sure you check out realmenconnect.com to get our free tools and resources to help you go from good man to great man God's way. Again, that's realmenconnect.com. Thank you for listening. We'll see you in the next episode.